a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> Welcome to the new edition of Table Talk Radio. Evan Gigline here with everyone's favorite co-host of a Lutheran theological game show, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. A badge I wear with pride. <laughs> well, it's a sad day for Table Talk Radio. Uh, because oh. today we are playing Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns, and Pastor Wolfmuller is going to do terribly at this game. <laughs> and it's going to be rather embarrassing for him. Are you a prophet him. now? Do you have <laughs> prophetic powers to see to the future? Oh, man. Uh, yes. In, in this case, I do. Oh, because man. why? Because uh, because I always do terrible? Because the hymn... If we had a batting average <laughs> for Don't Forget the Stanzas, I would be batting about what? Like 120? If that. If that. You'd be... Uh, the the uh, American League pitchers that bat in the World Series do much better than than you. <laughs> yes, well, that's my favorite game, by the way. Don't forget the stanzas to your hymns. Well, the 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 hymns today are brought to you by Martin Luther. Mm. So that might build up some confidence, but uh, but I'll only watch you stumble later. Okay, and then we're also playing Ten Commandments in the news, and we have a brand right, new that's game. My favorite game. We have a brand new game. We're going to start off with here right after our buzzwords called questions in pastoral care, and this is where we get to ask questions. Any question we could ever want to ask to Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and you can submit. The, go ahead. What is the game part of this game, by the way? Um, <laughs> do you know? Is it just I don't even understand what the, I th- what the game I thought we were is. supposed to refer to everything that we ever did on this radio show as a game. So I don't know. I was just following suit. Okay. As long as I can get points, I don't care. <laughs> okay. I'm just in it for the points. Okay. That, that's why you <laughs> why you wake up in the morning to, to get that's on right. the air. Ah, Table Talk Radio Day. Points Day. <laughs> points Day. Yeah, that's Love right. But you can submit your pastoral questions uh, in to Pastor Wolfmiller at questions at tabletalkradio.org or call our phone number 866-851-5523. So, are you ready for your buzzword then? I am. I'm ready. All right. Your theological buzzword today, Pastor, is Anabaptist. Anabaptist. <laughs> and this is the... the, the Religious group, the church that that formed in the Reformation, uh, followers of Zwingli, is that right? Sure. And uh, arose uh, right after the time of um, uh, the, the Reformation, but but the the name is because uh, they were they were against an, an infant baptism and said that if you were baptized as an infant, then you then need to be rebaptized. 
I'm not sure that Zwingli was an Anabaptist. I mean, he was a radical reformer, but I'll, I'll look it up here in a minute and figure it out, because I'm not sure. I think, if I remember right, Zwingli went for infant baptism. Don't worry, we'll have that clarified by the end of the show. It wouldn't be the first uh, so time Anabaptist- I said... It wouldn't be the first time I said misinformation on the on the airwaves. So, right, uh, mostly because Zwingli and Luther got after each other about the Lord's Supper. But if I remember right, Zwingli basically signed on to the Augsburg Confession, except for the except for the presence of Christ's body and blood in the Lord's Supper. That was really the That's one true. thing. So, okay, I, I'm uh, yeah. Now that now, now that we talk about it, I think maybe I'm probably wrong on that. But now. the Anabaptist tradition, you know, they were just rebaptized because infant baptism didn't count because uh, how could an an infant have faith or they hadn't demonstrated their faith by obedience or by some sort of act so that uh, so that you refuse to uh, baptize the babies. Right. And my uh, buzzword for you is uh, is rapture. Now, there's two ways of getting this word. Have we done this one yet? I never know if we've done the buzzwords. Well, we can find out by going to our new website at tabletalkradio.org and click on the buzzwords link, and we can just uh, take a quick gander here if it is. But why don't you tell us what it is as I look? There's there's the popular understanding of the rapture, which is this kind of secret, silent sort of zapping all the Christians out of this world. This is what's popularized by the Left Behind series and the... uh, uh, and the movies of the same name, uh, where everyone just is kind of zapped out of the earth and taken out so God can go back to dealing with the Jewish people for the seven-year tribulation. Uh, that's the dispensational idea, and it's totally ridiculous and wrong, but it's the popular idea. Uh, the biblical teaching of the rapture, though, which comes from 1 Thessalonians 4:13 and following, and also uh, 1 Corinthians 15:51 and following, is is this is uh, the Paul in these two passages is answering the question what will happen to people who are living when Jesus returns? I mean we know what will happen to the dead they'll be raised but what if you're alive? How can you be raised from the dead if you're not yet dead? And Paul says I tell you a mystery not all will sleep but all will be changed so that so that we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord will receive our resurrected bodies apart from death really quite wonderful. Uh, and that's the biblical teaching of the of the rapture. Very good. And uh, I just looked on our website at table, tabletalkradio.org, and uh, it goes from propitiation to rectilinear. So uh, rapture is not in there. <laughs> what, a, what a strange sort of page, buzzword page. I'll have to, good. You'll have to check that out sometime on your free time. Have you seen yes. our new website, by the way? Let's... I did look at it one time. Okay, good. Nice. Well, uh, questions in pastoral care. And how this, how this game came about is that uh, – I would sometimes call Pastor Wolfmuller, and, and we'd uh, I'd ask him this question. We'd, these, these really good conversations would come out over the phone, but then it's just just kind of sad that no one else gets to hear it. So, so uh, I just thought I'd, I'd uh, throw some questions at you, and we have this conversation like we, like we do on the phone sometimes, and and see how it flies. This um, is like being a fly on the wall between a conversation between a pastor and a vicar. <laughs> yeah, and uh, really how, how it came about is that Pastor Wolfmiller said, you know, if I'm going to spend so much time talking to you on the phone, I better be getting some points over the whole deal. <laughs> so I said, all right, we'll make a game over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in, I'm insatiable desire for points. <laughs> I got this great the points are like joke to use at the end of the show, and I kind of want to use it now because it's so funny. Uh, no, you have to save but it. i got to hold it off. Stay tuned for, for Pastor Wolfmuller's hilarity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, the first question I have for you is a question in in handling questions tactfully. And, uh, it, you know, someone comes up to you a question, and um, I just think of it, just think of a, 
an example, and maybe maybe we can talk about this example too. But someone just comes up to ask ask you a direct question. You know, is contemporary worship sinful? Um, you know, maybe there there's a way to answer that that would uh, would be truthful, but yet um, answering it that way would just completely. You, you see what I'm saying? Would would would, would Send the person packing, but is there a way to answer questions that uh, you can you can be truthful and not be uh, not be uh, soft in your answer, but yet do it in a way that wouldn't immediately send people away? Oh, I see. So now, so you've given me a twofold question. In other words, how do you approach a very very difficult topic where someone comes to you uh, with a question that is is for the purpose of bringing division? And then you've given the example of, is contemporary worship sinful? Is that how you want to take this on? Exactly. Well, the, I think as far as, I, I mean, some, as far as these sorts of difficult conversations, the, the best way to go, I think, kind of strategically with the conversation is just hit reverse and back up with the person to a place where you both agree. Uh, so just just hit reverse and um, and and back up until the the, the divergent roads uh, reach a point of agreement. So uh, with a with a worship question, you can say, well, we can agree that God's word is uh, has a central place in worship, right? Right. So you agree with that, or or you you can back up to the point to where um, the most important thing in the world is that we hear that our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. You see what I mean? So you go back to a point of agreement. Um, and then you and then you walk along with that person to the point of um, uh, to where you can then come along and answer the question hopefully and and be on the same page. So I think that's a general sort of strategy to kind of handling. I mean, this is a, just a, a basic sort of reconciliation strategy that comes about in our conversations. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So uh, and and then perhaps with this question, I mean, there's something behind that question. Uh, and it's always important that we understand what's behind the question. If someone comes to you and they say, is contemporary worship sinful? They've got an agenda. Uh, perhaps the agenda is um, they've got someone in their family that's really pushing for contemporary worship, and they want you to give them ammunition to blast away at them. Or perhaps they themselves are a proponent of contemporary worship for one reason or another. Maybe they've come from a church that uh, that was... Uh, some sort of monster huge church and they thought that contemporary was, worship was the reason it grew or something. In other words, there's something behind the question and you want to ask a few questions to get behind that just so you can address the real issue. You can say, well, well what do you think about that? Do you think that it is? Or um, are you worried that some people uh, are too critical of it? Or what's, what's your opinion? And you can start to uh, work that way as well. Ah, very good. Well, we third get, thing though, here, and here's a third thing. Seconds. Whenever... 20 seconds. When it comes to worship, we always want to come back to the central point. Is not um, the, the, the central thing is not what we're doing, but the central thing is what God is doing for us. Is the forgiveness of sins have uh, complete sway in our services? Uh, and if we can begin to center ourselves on that, uh, then we can start to get somewhere with the theology of worship and the role uh, that, that God plays in our lives through it. Very good. 200 points. We'll be right back for 10 Commandments in the News on Table Talk Radio. Someday somebody's gonna ask you A question that you should say yes to Once in your life Maybe tonight I got a question for you 
No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> okay, well, there's the radio clown, the table talk radio pietist, the iron listener, or the theological bull rider. Yeah. Why don't right you tell right. them what we get? Uh, yeah, why, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get table talk radio points for every dollar you donate. Oh, nice. Love those radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for Table Talk Radio so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. It's time for Ten Commandments in the News. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Ten Commandments in the hey, News. That's my favorite news. My favorite game. It's your game. favorite news, really. <laughs> my favorite game. Favorite game. I, my favorite game is Ten Commandments in the News and Pastoral. What's that first game we played? Uh, questions pastoral and questions. Pastoral Care. That's my favorite game too. Well, you got two hundred points for, from it, so good job. Sweet. All right. Well, Ten Commandments in the News is where we look at some news articles. And uh, we determine which of the Ten Commandments is being involved in the news clip. And so this is a way for, for us as Christians to be thinking uh, in the context of God's Word uh, with what's going on around us. But also we've added this other little little uh, niche to this game, and that is uh, how do we then uh, start a conversation with someone uh, about this news article? That's how it works. And is there 200 points uh, on the line for each of these? I think so. Okay. Well, uh, do you want to go first with your news item? Yeah, now I'm going to even give you uh, options here. I got four articles, so you can pick one. Fort Hood shooting suspect awaken talking. Article number two: Hundreds remember slain none. Number three: Saudi won't bar Hajj pilgrims over swine flu fears. And number four: Oh, this is a good one. Fourteen thousand signatures delivered to President and Congress. Persons of faith call for effective response to climate ca- change. Uh, from the National Council of Churches. Whoa. Okay. Organization. Uh, I'm going to go for the easier one. I'll go with the slain nun. Slain nun. All right. Now, this is not what you think. I, this article actually doesn't even say how she's slain. I'll give you a few paragraphs here. Hundreds of people headed to St. Michael's, Arizona, Friday, to remember a nun who shaped the lives of many in New Mexico. Sister Marguerite Bartz was murdered last week, but on Friday, people remembered her life. Not her death. Oh, I want you to talk about that. Many people in attendance says there, if there ever was a saint on earth, it was Sister Marguerite Bartz. They said she, they already know she's seated in heaven, so they came to the rosary to pray for those left behind. Huh. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I'll, I'll address what you what you pulled out then first that, that they came to remember her life and not her death. You know, um, my my supervising pastor at my vicarage church uh, said something like this in the in the 
in his sermon that uh, that the that the early Christians would would always celebrate celebrate uh, a person's death rather than their birth, and we have it the exact opposite. You know, we're always celebrating birthdays. You know, oh, you know, this is when we we came to life. But you know, he made the good point that that when one is born, that's when that's when your miseries start. You know, that that's when, that's when it's all uh, your, your your sinfulness uh, it has started. Uh, being born into the flesh, uh, and then, uh, but but it's it's in the death that our our misery is is is, is brought to an end, and uh, because of what Christ has done on the cross for us, then uh, death no longer has a sting, no, death no longer has any uh, control over us, no longer has a bite, and so be, because of Christ's death, our death is now uh, uh, the entrance into glory. Uh, so just, just that's, as that's just, a marvelous point. I mean, the the scriptures will kind of woe the day I was born, sort of thing. Uh, but then the church always remembers the heavenly birthday because that's the day we entered into peace. Uh, that's really quite wonderful. Yeah, and so so today, I think you, in fact you were just talking about this. You're you're on your little kick for your new book. What's what's the name of your book called again? Final victory. Final victory. I finally have the name of the book right. I was saying it wrong, but it's final victory. <laughs> it's, it's contemplating good. the death and funeral of a Christian. I think it's good to get the title of of your own book right, and that, that's available. I think they at, changed it. That's available at Concordia Theological <laughs> or Concordia Concordia Publishing House. Is that right? It is. Yes. Okay. You can good. sign up. It was cph dot org. I think it costs eight nine bucks or something. And how much is an autograph copy? Probably five bucks. <laughs> it devalues the book. <laughs> Three bucks. Good. Um, but you were talking about this so in your conversations about your new book uh, that uh, that we don't really have funerals anymore. We have celebrations of life, you know. And so we're that's cel- what people would like to do, but that's wrong. I mean, look at this. This is a goofball idea. Is that all we have to think about is the past? But look at the Christians have something better. We have the present and we have the future. We have the present where the uh, soul of the person is rejoicing in the face of Jesus, and we have the future, which is the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Right. And so I, I'm going to say that that is first commandment, because if we're celebrating our own lives and our own deeds and our own works, uh, we are not trusting in God above all things, as he says in the first commandment. And so that's first commandment. Um, now, could, can I have you reread the end of that article uh, concerning the rosary? Okay, they... I think the people in attendance say that they already know she's seated in heaven, so they came to the rosary to pray for those left behind. How in, what an interesting glimpse into a Catholic doctrine of the afterlife. So this this woman apparently uh, was ushered not through purgatory but directly into heaven, according to Catholic theology, right? Yeah. And, no, and why? No, and why? what's the distinction there? Right. Not not because of of Christ and his and his work for us, but because of her good works and and. And things that she's done here on earth, right? Right, because you see, if you do enough good works, such that you don't, you owe no debt that um, uh, that needs penance, uh, you, you, that you need no further purging or purification, but you've you've attained a state of perfection and purity in this life through grace-infused works. Then you can skip purgatory. There's no need of it, and you go straight to heaven. And that's what a saint is in uh, Catholic eschatology. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I, that's again the first commandment, um, and maybe maybe the third um, that you should yes, because uh, honor. Uh, you not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And so, 
Uh, that is, or I'm sorry, that's the second. So second and third, I would say. <clears throat> sorry. So second commandment, not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Uh, that 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 God's name, He's placing His name upon us in holy baptism. That that we are then Christians, uh, not a, based upon our works, uh, but a, based upon what what Christ has done for us. And then to forsake that uh, by doing our saying that our works are then bringing us into heaven, I think, is forsaking the name of God. Also, despising the preaching of that word of that that same message, that same gospel of of salvation by faith uh, alone. How marvelous. I think that's exactly right. So, I mean, the second commandment, do not misuse God's name. The way God's name is used rightly is because he's He's put his name on us in baptism. We are saints. We're labeled as his. I think the picture of a saint, I'm starting to use this idea of uh, cattle branding, you know, uh, that the the old cowboys would put would take their stamp and they'd brand it onto the hide of the cow. That's mine. This is what the Lord does, and he puts his name on us. And, and that's what it means to be holy, to be a saint, uh, not our own works and deeds, etc., etc. So that to claim to be a saint by your own works is despising the name of God, which he puts on us in baptism. That's I think that's exactly right, Evan. Nice work. So how many points are available for that, then? <clears throat> The 200 points, I'm giving you 400. Woo! Since I liked your right. answer so much. All right. So I am then in the lead. Uh, I can't wait to tell you what the points are like, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I have an audio clip for you for your, uh, for your Ten Commandments in the News article. And uh, here it is. The Justice of the Peace, who created a national stir by refusing to marry an interracial couple, is stepping down. Officials say Keith Bardwell's resignation is effective Tuesday. Everybody hates me. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I, I treat people, you know, I figure equal. Bardwell refused to marry a couple because the bride was white and the groom was black. He initially defended his decision. I have one problem with marrying mixed-race marriages, and that is the offspring. Another justice of the peace eventually married the couple, but the harm was already done. It's disheartening. Seriously, you know, it's 2009, and we're still dealing with the former racism. Bardwell said he routinely recuses himself from marrying interracial couples. That's because he believes such marriages cause harm to the couple's children. My definition of a racist is to hate black people or, or treat black people different than anybody else. The couple has since filed a federal lawsuit against Bardwell. Ross Simpson, the Associated Press. There it is. Who man. <laughs> How? This is a really, oh, ah, this is a tough one. Um, there, uh, so okay, so let's just talk about mixed marriages for a little bit, shall we? Sure. And you have uh, about a minute and a half here. Okay. Uh, we know that this was prohibited in the Old Testament. Uh, the Israelites marrying the Canaanites or the Phoenicians or anyone else like this, right? Right. Uh, so, so this mixed marriage was forbidden, but but uh, in the Old Testament. But we have to be very, very clear on this: that the thing that was forbidden there was a theologically mixed marriage, not a racially mixed marriage. In fact, the Bible really doesn't know anything about races apart from theology. You're identified by the God that you served. Uh, so, Ruth the Moabitess uh, says to, uh, oh my goodness, how have I forgotten her mother-in-law's name? Naomi. Wait, is that it? Naomi? 
Yeah. Uh, your God is my God. Your people are my people. In other words, if, if she's going to worship the God of Israel, she's an Israelite. So the Bible knows nothing of races, only of theology. Uh, the doctrine of race really comes from Charles Darwin. Uh, we'll have to expound a little bit on that on the other side of the break. All right, and we will do that uh, coming up when we continue the game, Ten Commandments in the News. Don't forget, we'd like to answer your questions uh, that we receive through the phone number 866-851-5523. Will Pastor get more than 200 more points? We'll find out right after this. Don't go away. The drama's killing me. green red roses I'll watch them bloom just for me and you and I think to myself, oh, what a wonderful world. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. Table Talk Radio is my favorite Lutheran radio game show. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back just after this break from our sponsors. And now, it's time for Table Talk Extras with Vicar Evan Gigline. Listen to this hymn by Martin Luther entitled, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly over me. Sin was my torment night and day, and sin my mother bore me. But daily deeper still I fell, my life became a living hell, so firmly sin possessed me. In this stanza, Luther does not articulate sin to be mistakes that we make as if we could learn from them and do better next time no sin is like a disease that we're born into and being born into sin is like being born into the the chains of satan it's tormenting and no matter how hard we try we just keep falling deeper read then what luther writes in the fourth stanza but god has seen my wretched state before the world's foundation and mindful of his mercies great he planned for my salvation He turned to me a father's heart. He did not choose the easy part. He gave his dearest treasure. His dearest treasure is his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. If you want to see what sin looks like, all you have to do is look at the cross. For sin had its toll on Jesus. And because of that, when God looks at us through Jesus, he sees perfection. Not account of our works, but on Christ. Thanks be to God that he did not choose the easy part, but gave his dear beloved son, Jesus Christ, in our stead. Lord, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, keep this truth in our hearts to life everlasting. Amen. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Which of the Ten Commandments is being broken when you have a judge who refuses to marry a black person and a white person? That is the the question laying before Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, Pastor, what do you got? <laughs> well, we're talking about racism uh, having its origins in Charles Darwin. I think that's true. To under, I mean, look, at when you read the Bible, uh, you everyone has the same relatives. I mean, you could push it back to Adam and Eve. Uh, or if you want a more recent common relative, it's Noah. I mean, all of us come from Noah. Goodness. 
so that humanity is one family. Uh, the idea that there's different sort of um, progressions with the different races in their development is an evolutionary idea. So you have it's really kind of a social Darwinist idea, uh, and it and it is uh, one of the it's one of the terrible marks of of the modern world that Charles Darwin took such root in people's imaginations that they would. Uh, for example, practice slavery based on race, or that um, that they had a legal definition of of, of a person, and that uh, black people in the United States would be considered what three fifths of a person. I mean, that is absolutely horrendous, and I blame it on Darwin uh, and his false doctrine of the different of of uh, of evolution and um, and and development like this. So the Bible simply does not distinguish uh, people due to their race. And any time this is done, it's criticized. For example, Jesus will constantly be criticizing uh, the Jews of his day uh, for rejecting the Gentiles um, and and casting them off, treating them as lesser citizens, etc. Uh, but now, what commandment is racism breaking? This is, a, I've, I've never really spent time thinking about this so the listeners who are meditating on this along with us can uh, can offer their input I would say that because it has the, to do with with marriage this this is a sixth commandment thing uh, you shall not commit adultery this is the commandment that protects God's gift of marriage uh, so the sixth commandment comes into play and I think generally any time that um, you're not loving your neighbor as God commanded, and you can't sort out where uh, this is coming across. You can go to the fifth commandment: "You shall not murder." So any form of lovelessness or uh, um, uh, anything like this towards your neighbor is a breaking of the fifth commandment. So that's that's as good as I've got. All right, then I will award you 200 points for that. That's a tough one, though. I, I throw something else in there too. That when it comes to the wait, wait, you're not, you're not system, getting more points for this. <laughs> I'm just, I oh. am. I'm busy rejoicing in my 200 points. Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, but the eight, the court system really falls under the eighth commandment: you shall not bear false witness. That's where we want to have good courts and things like this. Uh, it's funny that the court system in the United States has uh, a role in marriage. It's that's just an interesting sort of thing. But the, uh, we're on the border of the eighth commandment as well. So, right there, you go. Okay, very good. Well, uh, I need uh, a refresher of what what my options are for another okay, article. Okay, you you have uh, this National Council of Churches delivering signatures to the President and Congress. Uh, persons of faith call for effective response to climate crisis. Sheesh, what's a bunch of loons? Then uh, then two uh, Muslim articles here. One Fort Hood shooting suspect awake and talking, and the other is uh, Saudi Arabia won't bar Hajj pilgrims over swine flu fears. Uh, why don't you pick? What do you want? Which one do you want to do? Let's do this National Council of Church joke here. All right. Okay, Washington, November 6, 2009. With the United Nations climate change negotiations only five weeks away, I'm holding my breath for that one, more than 14,000 <laughs> signatures were delivered to President Obama and Congress Thursday calling for an effective and moral response to the emerging climate crisis. Quote, as people of faith... We are called to be good stewards of creation and seek justice for all of God's people, said the Reverend Dr. Michael Kinneman, General Secretary of the National Council of Churches. Quote, Climate change threatens the global family, and we must address this issue with compassion, resolution, and grace. 
Uh, down further down the article, quote, climate change is not only a problem we will deal with in 20, 30 or even 50 years, said John Hill of the United Methodist Church General Board of Church and Society. It's here today and devastating lives and livelihoods on a daily basis. From Sudan to Alaska, people are already seeking ways to cope with changes in God's creation. We must ensue that these problems don't push families further into poverty, displace them from their homes or threaten their future. And then here's the here's the last line of the article. The NCC, what this is that's the National Council of Churches, is the ecumenical voice of Americans Protestant, Orthodox, Anglican, Historic African African American and Traditional Peace Churches. What the heck are those? These 35 communions have 45 million faithful members and 100,000 congregations in all 50 states. For the last 25 years, the council's eco-justice program has worked to educate people of faith about issues impacting the health of God's creation and people. Hmm. Boy, I, I don't know. I'll, I'm just going to offer a few comments and reflections upon what you just read, then I'm going to give it to you for the commandments, I think. Cause that's a tough one. Okay, well, the first one with this uh, climate change, I've, I've always wondered about this. You know, we, we've changed the, the terminology. We used to always call it global warming, and now we've, we've rephrased it to just be climate change. Hey, nice point. Um, but I've always wondered about this uh, – accuracy of whether or not we really are seeing global warming. Um, I think I think that there's a, a pretty good handful. We, this would be a good table scraps topic. We should have we should have a scientist on talking about uh, global warming and, and its evidences. But what we see in 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 history is that that the the the, the Earth's temperature kind of goes up and down and. Uh, we, we we may be on a, a temporary upslope, but there's nothing I don't from from what I can tell uh, that would cause to be a great alarm. But even even so, I think uh, the fact that, that 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 we're taking upon ourselves to care for for God's creation rather than uh, that 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 God Himself carries His creation. I think is at play here. So that, those are my two cents. What do you have, Pastor? Well, there's a, uh, this kind of trick where it's, it's constantly talking about God's people and God's creation, which is an interesting thing. It's true that God has given us, in Genesis 1, uh, the charge to be stewards and have dominion over the earth. So we want to treat that seriously. Um, but there is a switch in the modern environmentalist movement where nature itself almost becomes God. And this is the temptation throughout the history of humanity to make creation into a god itself, and we then become the servants. And then you have the idea that humanity is hurting God um, you know, through um, unfrugal living. So you got to give up all of these freedoms in order to sacrifice your freedoms to the worship of God um, in order to, to be a good steward. It's just, it's just to me, it's it's just kind of putting a religious veneer over this kind of hippie environmentalism. Well, what, well, what I find so fascinating about this is it used to go the other way. You know, uh, liberal political types would, would accuse the Christians of saying, "Hey, look, you don't you don't even care about this earth because you're just going to be raptured off anyway, and so it, it doesn't matter to you if we don't take care of the earth because you know you think you're going to be gone anyway." And so they accuse Christians of being uh, poor stewards of of, of the earth. Um, but I don't ever think that was the case either. No, that's right. So there's a there's an agenda behind all of these things. There's an ideology to environmentalism, uh, which says that the problem is uh, um, that there's an that that humanity and and really the modern world, 
uh, industrialism oppresses the earth. And so we have to go back really to being pre-industrial. There's this kind of romantic sort of idea that we have to be live in more savage ways. Uh, to, to, in order for the Earth to survive, I, I, uh, I, the goofiest sort of climate change theory that I've heard—have you heard this? Is that uh, there was a mini ice age in Germany right around the Reformation time, which made everyone grumpy, which is how the Lutheran Church started because of this <laughs> mini ice age. No, I people were just really kind of cold and grumpy, so they started the Reformation. Hmm. I think it's classic. Is it? Is it usually cold in Colorado? Just uh, wondering. Just wondering. <laughs> It's a beautiful day today. I'll tell you, I, I, instead of identifying this with a commandment, I'm going to put it with a, por- a portion of the creed, that this whole idea of being environmentally conscious falls under the first article of the creed. Uh, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And the temptation is to treat earth or the creation as God itself, rather than God as the one who created and sustains the earth. Oh, well, very good. Uh, although I don't think this game is called name what part of the creed in the news it's the ten commandments in the news but hey yeah, whatever see how advanced it's see how advanced i am <laughs> i just move right past the rules all right i gave myself by the way uh, 500 points for getting the buzzword without you noticing so oh man <laughs> i didn't notice <laughs> when i talked about christians being raptured and have to take care oh. of you oh it, it was real slick i was I need a little bell that goes off when I hit my buzzword and and you don't notice. You should do. You should get that horn from uh, the. Har, har. Oh yeah, yeah, I have that. <laughs> Remember when you jumped out of your skin when I did that one time? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Let's see where it is it. Uh... Oh wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> that's the wrong one. Okay, well we're about out of time here, and we have a a very very good game game coming up. Don't forget the stanzas to your hymns with uh, favorite. The, our favorite contestant, <laughs> Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. Hey, if you haven't uh, noticed this yet, on our new website at tabletalkradio.org, we have the Reformation Glee Club. And this is where you can become a radio clown yourself. The four <laughs> stages are radio clown, table talk radio pietist, the iron listener, or theological bull rider. Uh, but this is a, a way to help uh, Table Talk Radio pay the bills and uh, continue on the air. So we appreciate you considering the the Reformation Glee Club of Table Talk Radio. Don't forget the lyrics to your hymns right after this, where Pastor Ruth Miller does miserably. We're right back on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> I'm going to prove you a false prophet, I think. Listening to Table Talk Radio. Serious theology. Seriously bad hosts.
and we're back to Table Talk Radio, getting ready to play to play the game. Don't forget the stanzas to your hymns. That's my favorite. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> how this works is we play a, uh, a hymn, and we there's three rounds. The first round you have to fill in one word. Uh, the second round you have to fill in what three or four words, and then uh, the last one it's a whole line. Yes. So it gets, What's the point of this game again? It gets again? progressively worse. <laughs> um, to talk about hymnody. So this is your chance. And as I said, all of the, the hymns today are brought to you by the reformer, Dr. Martin Luther. He was no Anabaptist. <laughs> okay, four, don't, 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 four, don't count that. I'm going to get you, a better one. Are you sure? Uh, don't count that. Don't count that. Okay. Yeah, That's you, my buzzword, by the way. You, you who tuned you, in late, my buzzword <laughs> today is Anabaptist. <laughs> And I I'm can going give you to... four points for that if you want. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. No, no, it's going to come in. <laughs> all right, well, here's your first entry for Don't Forget the Stanzas to Your Hymns. A new song now shall be begun. Lord, help us raise the banner of praise for all that God has done, for which we give him Brussels in the Netherlands, God proved himself most truthful and poured his gifts from open hands unto lads martyrs youthful, through whom he showed his his through through whom he showed his uh, mercy. Mercy. Power. Power. Oh, man. I'm sure that's a bad translation. (laughs) Where did you get the guitar and flute? I've been playing playing it right here. I've been... Yeah. Didn't Luther play the what? The lyre or something? No, no, the uh, he played some sort of flute. This is this hymn he wrote in honor of these two martyrs up in the Netherlands. Right. Uh, I can't can't remember those names, but these two guys were Lutherans. They you know, they go down to study with Luther in Wittenberg, and then went back up to the Netherlands to preach the gospel, and got beheaded by the Catholics or something. Right, John and Henry. <laughs> and, and and I know that because stanza two is one was named John, a name to show he stood in God's high favor. His brother Henry, well we know, his, uh, was salt of, of truest savor. So this is a what do you call the hymn like? This is a um. Um, oh, that tells a story. Oh goodness, a ballad. This is a ballad for the two martyrs. Uh, one. Of, I think this is one of Luther's first hymns, if I remember right. I can't. This is. Can't um, think of that, though. Let's see. Uh, first appearing in 1523 in its uh, broadsheet form. So I guess it was written before that. But the event happened on July July 1st, 1523. Uh, so. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, two Reformation martyrs. Which brings me to a, a question: If there's ever been a martyr in the United States, does anyone uh, listening want to answer that question? If there's ever been a martyr, a united a, a martyr in America, that is someone that's killed by the government for preaching the gospel. Oh, by the government? Um, yeah, you can't just be killed by a mob and be a martyr because martyrdom is an official sort of thing. It's uh, being executed by the powers that be, right? Well, wait a minute though, because uh, I remember after the big Columbine thing, there was that girl, you know the. The uh, shooters came into school and, and asked that girl, yeah, "Are you a Christian?" She said yes, and then they shot her. Is that? I mean, that'd be a martyr, wouldn't it? Well, I don't think. Um, I think that uh, for officially martyrdom has to be uh, 
that you're sentenced to death legally. So not just murdered, but um, that it's a capital crime, see? So all the ancient martyrs were done, they were accomplished by the emperors or by the people in power. Oh, uh, so okay. some thug just comes up and kills you for being a Christian. That, uh, I don't think, is officially a martyrdom. Uh, I think, I think you have a narrow sense offline. of the word, Pastor. I do. <laughs> okay. Well, you ready for your next try? I guess so. Okay. This isn't the same hymn, isn't it? Are you going to get a different hymn? No, no. This, this is uh, more stanzas of the same one. Why? Don't you know this one? Don't you sing this in your church? Is this in any hymnal? No. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Let's have it. I, I I could have done this. I'm I'm just kidding. It's not more stanzas of the same one. Okay. But uh I I think I think you just sing this this stanza of this hymn in in, uh, in your church. Um by these two lads and he so great, his rage flared high and heated, his plan to see them burning. I don't know how that'd go over in Hope Lutheran Church. Okay, well here's your next one. <laughs> By You want me to read it? Yeah, I. she makes... I got that last line, but I didn't get any of the other ones. Okay. My bride, the church, is dear to me. I never will forget her. Her lovely graces all can see. I in my heart have set her. My jewel fair has all my care. When troubles come, I have a home. Made lovely by her presence. Her love and trust stand by my side. Her service, Her service never lessens. She makes... The Anabaptists cry. <laughs> uh, th- that was pretty. Good. I'll, I'll give you one hundred points just because it was funny. Um, <laughs> I've got. I've never heard this hymn either, as far as I can tell. Where did you go? Obscure Lutheran hymns never before sung. <laughs> now accompanied with guitar and flute. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. My will. Her service never lessens. She makes my will her guide. She makes my will her guide. Yes. Let me... Uh, it's a, like a love song from Jesus to the church, which is an incredible idea. It's like Luther's paraphrase of the Song of Solomon or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can read this. It's written in complex meter and set to... Uh, a <laughs> to, to <laughs> this is more of a ballot for a soloist or small group rather than a hymn for the congregation. Yeah, I would agree with that. The text first published in 1535 without a tune builds on the scriptural images of the church being described as Christ's bride and elect lady, Ephesians 5 and Revelation. Luther provided the melody in 1545. The form of the song is patterned after courtly 16th century love lyrics 
which made uh, w- um, which as the tune is patterned after a popular singing game. Well, there you go. I so, sorry I didn't know that. Huh. You were right when you said that I wasn't going to get any of these. <laughs> <sighs> Never even heard these songs. It, it is a marvelous thing though to sing of this because Christ loves His church. That's what Ephesians five says. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, this is a popular sort of thing these days to say, oh, well, I, I like Jesus, but I don't really like the church. But you, you, if you're a Christian, you can't say that. Jesus has not given you the option of not loving his church. I mean, he loves his church. And so uh, we are duty-bound to, uh, to to love her as well. It's, it's as if someone to say, well, I like you, but your, your wife is just hideous. I mean... <laughs> Imagine how that makes the husband feel. I mean, that would make the, any husband mad, and it makes Jesus mad too when people throw off his church because he loves us. That's a good point. I'll give you seven points for that point. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. Okay, five hundred. You're at five hundred and seven. That pales in comparison to the nine hundred. Are you ready for the last try? Sure. All right, here it is. Did I mention this is my favorite game? Uh, yes. <laughs> good. But God stands beside us. But God, he stands beside us. Did I get it? I couldn't understand no, what they were by, saying. By, by those bent to destroy us. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Well, this uh, this is... I like, uh, I like my last line better. <laughs> well, are you sure? Because this is a paraphrase of Psalm 124. Well, what, I bet my line comes in the next stanza. Because <laughs> you can't end on that of those who try to destroy us. you got to have them overthrown, etc. That's true. Okay, what's this hymn? Now, this is If God Were Not Beside Us Now, you know, Martin Oof. Luther, uh, written uh, in 1524, a paraphrase of Psalm 124. So thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like a jihadist voting, voting for government-run health care. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.